Well, everybody, welcome back for another week of Scriptures Revealed, and we are continuing our journey into the book of Ephesians. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode on uh, on understanding what the gospel was all about, you know, understanding that there was a message that God has been trying to get to the earth for ages to ages to ages, and we began to unlock that and unfold that for us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I did warn you guys that chapter 3 of Ephesians is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire book because Paul begins to disclose to us the mystery of the ages, the mystery of Christ, and the mystery of the gospel. It is the apex of everything Christianity is found in this third chapter. So we are going to go back to chapter 3 of Ephesians, uh, and we covered a lot of ground on last week, and uh, I want you guys to be excited about it. We talked about kissing the sun, and that that is the entranceway into the kingdom, that you've got to kiss the sun. We learned, we went to the book of Psalms and began to walk through that, and connected it to Ephesians 3, and we just, uh, we even went to Genesis, and went to the garden, and began to uh, look at the hidden gems in the, those scriptures. And begin to look at the hidden gems in those scriptures. And I believe that it blessed and impacted your life. Now, we're going to continue this journey uh, through chapter 3. But again, I want to put this in the forefront of your mind as you're listening. That as you listen today, I want you to get it in your hearts. That what you listen to today has the power to change your life. It has the power to change your life. And you've got to start looking and approaching the scriptures like that every time you open your Bible, every time you open your Bible app, every time you open your computer to go to the word. Whenever you approach the scriptures, you've got to approach it with the mindset that I'm going to humbly submit myself to this word because it has the ability, the power, the the might necessary to send my life into total transformation. And that's exactly what I want you all to have on the forefront of your mind. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the book. So we're in chapter three of Ephesians. Last week, we covered verses one through six. Uh, Today, we're going to cover verses seven through twelve. All right. And then next week, uh, my aim is going to be to close out chapter three. So we are moving right along. By the end of the, of the year, we should be through Ephesians. <laughs> and we should be more and more in love with him because that's the aim of what Paul is trying to do. He's trying to safeguard their love relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in. Uh, so let's jump right in, starting with verse seven. And I'm reading out a good old KJV today. It says, Paul is saying, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Let's Paul stop right here. Paul says, whereof I was made a minister. This word minister here is the same word that we see translated deacon. We see it translated as a deacon. So what was Paul saying? Paul was not saying that he had been called to the office of a deacon. But Paul was saying what I'm doing is that I am doing the service of a deacon as it pertains to the gift of God's grace in my life. Is that what he's saying is I'm doing the work and the stewardship of this gift. Remember we talked about this. Paul started out chapter 3 talking about stewarding the grace of God on his life. And so you're going to see Paul uh, go over that principle 
principle over and over and over again because everybody has been given grace from God. Everybody has been given a grace and your job is to steward well the grace of God given to you. You should not be operating in something that is outside of the grace that's on your life. And remember, we uh, began to understand grace. Grace is like the benevolence fund of God. It is God's fund. It is God has given you part of his benevolence fund necessary to do everything you have been called to do in the earth, which means the part of your function that all believers has. The Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What you're doing is that you pull out of the grace of God. You pull out of that benevolence fund and you re- in that fund is healing. And the, in that fund is the ability for you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But you've got to operate in your grace. Paul goes over and over and over again in all of his epistles to explain to the people he, he is writing to that I'm operating in my grace. I'm operating in what God has given me. So everybody needs to find their grace because your calling, your purpose, your identity, the reason why you exist on the earth is found in the grace of God that's been allotted to your life. So you've got to find your grace. You've got to find your lane. You've got to find what God has called you to steward in the earth. And let me give you uh, insight also about purpose. Nobody, nobody, I don't care who they are. You cannot fulfill your purpose outside of God. I'm going to say that to you again. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. You will never fulfill purpose outside of God. Now, what you can do, what people get purpose confused with is use, is ability, is talent. See, for instance, if I created... If I am the creator and I created a toaster and I created the toaster because I wanted to have toasted bread in the morning for breakfast. If somebody steals my toaster, if somebody steals my toaster, the purpose of that toaster was to make bread for me. Now, the toaster, if the toaster is stolen and it goes somewhere else, somebody else can use that toaster to make them bread. And so they're getting the exact same use out of the toaster, but the purpose of the toaster is not being fulfilled because the purpose of its creation was to satisfy me. (laughs) Do you, you see that? It's the same way with us. God created you. So your purpose is to satisfy him. Your purpose is to satisfy his intent, his plan, his uh, uh, original uh, scheme of things. That is what your purpose is. Now, if you are stolen from him, <laughs> if, if you go over to the enemy's camp, if you decide to live in captivity, if you decide to be a servant of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness may get the same use out of you. But that does not mean you're living in purpose. That's why people who are called to be prophets, you are a prophet by birth. Now, if you do not choose to serve God, you're always going to be a prophet. You just, and you're going to be, and that's going to manifest in you and how you are used in the earth. You're going to be a prophet. The problem is you're never going to fulfill purpose because you're never going to be a prophet for God until you belong to him. You get that? Whatever your purpose is, whatever your calling is, purpose is found in God. Purpose is fulfilled in God. Your use can be fulfilled anywhere. You can be a freelancer anywhere. You can be a freelancer anywhere. But if you want to fulfill purpose, you've got to do it to the satisfaction of the Lord.
All right. So I hope that brings greater clarity to you there about destiny and purpose. But Paul is saying, hey, I'm a minister. I am a deacon. I am a steward. I am a worker over the grace of God that's been given unto me. And he said this grace was given to me by the effectual working of his power. Remember chapter one of Ephesians. Let's go back there real quick. Chapter one of Ephesians in uh, verse 19. Remember, uh, Paul began to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Why? That the Paul prayed that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Watch in verse 19 so that they can know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. You come all the way back over to chapter three and Paul is saying this gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. It's the same power. So watch this. When you got born again, you were given all of the grace you need that you can fulfill purpose with, that you can walk in victory with, that you can overcome cycles with, that you can heal the sick with, that you can raise the dead with. All of that was infused into you. The issue is learning how to access and steward the grace of God on your life. All right. Hopes that makes sense. So we got to keep moving because I want to get to a point here. So watch this. that's verse seven. Verse eight says unto me who am least than who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given. That That's just amazing to me. As wonderful as Paul is, Paul never forgot the power and the potency of grace in his own life. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament for us. Paul was a steward of the gospel. He was a steward of the mysteries of God. Paul has so much revelation that the Bible says that God permitted a messenger of Satan to be a thorn in his flesh so that he would not be so puffed up. I mean, that's just amazing. But think about that, because I also just saw the mystery for you for the thorn in the flesh, because the Bible says that the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. It wasn't sickness. Paul wasn't sick. God didn't say, Paul, I'm not going to heal you because you got so much revelation. and I'm going to call that a thorn in the flesh. No, you got to interpret the Bible with the Bible. That scripture explicitly says that the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. You compare scripture with scripture and you go back to the Old Testament and you see that a thorn in the flesh was also used as persecution. It was a persecution from the enemy. So you got to use scripture with scripture, but that's for free. But Paul, I'm talking about Paul because he says, I am less than the least. I'm less than the least of all the saints. He says, whoever you think the least is in the body of Christ, I'm less than them. I'm less than them. He said, I'm just glad that God has given me access to himself. I'm just glad that God has given me grace. I'm just glad to know that God loves me. I'm just glad to know that God could do something with my life. That is the beginning of being used for the glory of God is that Paul said, I'm just glad that God could do something with my life as broken as I was. As puffed up as I was, as full of insecurity as I was, as 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 much of a know-it-all that I was, as much as I thought I was doing something with my life and my life was in shambles. If God can do something with my life, I'm going to let him do it. That has often been one of my prayers in worship. Whenever I'm in worshiping and in the presence of God, one of the common things that comes up out of my heart is, God, if you can do anything with me, I'm just going to let you do it. 
if you want, if you can do anything with this brokenness, if you can do anything with the mess I've made of my life, if you can do anything with my hands, with my mouth, with my eyes, with my feet, with the every member of my body, if you can do anything, and if anything can be done, it has to be done through you, but if you can do anything, surely I'm going to give it to you and let you do your thing. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I am the least of all the saints, but I'm just so grateful that God could do something with my life. He said, this is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, that's what the book of Ephesians is unfolding for us. The entire book of Ephesians is Paul preaching to us the unsearchable riches of Christ. The, it's unsearchable. You know what that word unsearchable means? Is that it does not mean that you can't study it. It doesn't mean that you can't get revelation on it. What it means is you can't trace it because you're never going to get to the end of it. <laughs> oh, the beautiful thing about Christ is that you can study and gain revelation on, on the blood of Christ, on the forgiveness of Christ. On the fact that he's made you righteous, but you're never going to trace all your all the way to the end of that revelation, which means you're never going to run out of the opportunity to have the scriptures revealed to you because the the riches of Christ are unsearchable. They are untraceable. And it doesn't mean you can't get revelation. It just means you're never going to get to the end. It is a bottomless pit of wealth and riches and blessings. Because remember, that was the gospel. The gospel was God wanted to bless. He wanted to bless. Why? Because when the fall of man happened in the garden, man came under a curse. The ground came under a curse. The earth came under a curse. The man came under a curse. The woman came under a curse. The animals came under a curse. And so what the gospel is, Jesus has come to bless. He's come to reverse the curse over our lives. Man, and you're never going to get to the bottom of that. It is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now watch this. He says, that's what I've been called to do is to preach this unsearchable riches and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. I love this. What is the fellowship of the mystery? That word fellowship there should be the administration of the mystery. So watch this. Last week, and I'm doing it again. I'm about to stand up because I'm about to get to the most exciting part to me. <laughs> now, the, uh, we talked about last week. I just unlocked for you again what the gospel was. The gospel was Jesus came to reverse the curse. That you don't have to live cursed. You don't have to be cursed. You don't have to be subject to the curse. And that is the gospel that God preached to Abraham. It's the gospel that he preached in the garden. It's the gospel that he's prophesied through the prophets. It's the gospel that John the Baptist herald. It's the gospel that Jesus declared. And it is the gospel that Paul preached. The gospel is, hey, guys, I've come to the earth to reverse this curse you all have been living under. That's what I came to do. Now, that's that was the mystery. But Paul said, not only have I been called to preach this mystery. Paul said, not only have I been called to preach this mystery, but I've also been called to administer, to show you the administration of this mystery, which means there is a way that God is going to administrate this mystery in the earth. There is a way. Watch this. So this is what we're getting ready to unlock. And he says to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery or the administration of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. 
who created all things by Jesus Christ. So watch this now. God has had this mystery. This is going to bless you. God has had this mystery since before the beginning of the world. Since the, before the beginning of the world or before the beginning of this sin system. That's what the world is. It is the sin system. It is a system that got introduced into our society because of sin. All right. And Satan brought that in. He brought that in. So before the beginning of the sin system, God, this mystery and the administration of this mystery has been hidden in God. All right. We talked about that too last week. Who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent. Watch this. Or in other words, for this purpose. This was the purpose of it all. What I'm getting ready to show you in the scriptures is the purpose of the ages. It's the purpose of the ages. If you go down to verse 11, it says, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's your translation. There is according to the purpose of the ages. According to. So verse 10 is about to show us what the purpose of the ages is. So let's read verse 10 and then let's walk through it. And then I'll let you guys go. It says to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Watch this. I want to look, look at verse 10 in the Amplified. It says the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many sided wisdom of God and all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. So wait a minute. God says the purpose of the ages here is that the church would showcase in the earth and to the angels, to God's heavenly civilization, the manifold wisdom of God. Wait a minute. That that's that's almost like okay, what what's the purpose? And then it's also more like how do you wrap your mind around that? So let me help you. The manifold wisdom of God. This word manifold is only used once in the entire New Testament. It's only used once in the entire New Testament and is used right here, manifold. It's only used one other time in the entire Bible. And the other time it's used, <laughs> this is going to bless you. The other time it's used is in the book of Genesis. When the Bible says, when the Bible says that Jacob had a son named Joseph, who he loved more than any of his other sons because he had Joseph in his old age. <laughs> or at the end of his age. At his old age, that you'll catch that later. He had Joseph at the at an old age, and so he loved him more than any. And the Bible says that he gave him a coat of many colors. The coat of many colors is the is the Hebrew equivalent to this word manifold wisdom of God. So if you're going to talk about the wisdom of God, the best picture this gives you is that the the church wears the wisdom of God like a garment. <laughs> and the garment looks like the many colored robe of Joseph. So have that picture in your mind. In the, in the realm of the spirit, when the angels look at the church, when principalities look at the church, 
when demonic forces look at the church, when Satan looks at the church, what we are clothed in, what the garment we are wearing looks like a coat of many colors. And the coat of many colors that we wear is called the wisdom of God. All right. Stay with me. Now, to gain greater insight into what that looks like, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 and 24 says, let's back up. Um, 1 and 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. All right, let's go back over to Ephesians. Now we learn that Christ is the wisdom of God. Let's go back. What's the purpose of the ages? Is that the church is wearing a garment in the spirit. The church is wearing a garment of many colors, a robe of many colors. Isaiah calls it a robe of righteousness. <laughs> Isaiah also calls it garments of salvation. But what is this? What is this garment that we're wearing? What is this purpose of the ages? The, and Paul says in Corinthians, this wisdom is Christ. Christ is the wisdom of God. We learn also in Corinthians that Christ is the righteousness of God. Christ is salvation. He is my redemption. So the church is wearing Christ. But but it, Christ is so manifold. There's so many sides to him, so many colors to him, so many facets to him that the church is called to wear Christ. The church is called to wear Christ. But interesting thing here that I want to shed light on for you is that I have a question. If the purpose of the ages is for the church to wear Christ and to wear him in all of his many folds and facets and to display and to showcase that to the angels. My question is, what is the church showing the angels that the angels had not seen before? Think about it. If, if, if the purpose of the ages is for the church to reveal Christ, in other words, the church is to reveal Christ to the angels. Now, granted, before there was a man, there was angels. Before there was an earth, there was a heaven. And there was a, a kingdom, society, and civilization going on. And the angels existed. The angels have more, if you're going to do it based on history, the angels have spent more time with God than man has, than the church has. The angels knew God. Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and God created all things by his word. Genesis then says that let us make man in our image. So therefore, the angels have had contact and had interrelationships with God, with the Godhead. So they've seen Jesus pre the church. They've seen him pre the mankind. So what is the church showing the angels? What is the church? So much so, now granted, the angels have been familiar with the Godhead for ages and ages and ages and ages. But Peter says, this thing, this mystery of the ages, this purpose of the ages, this mystery of Christ, this gospel that the prophets prophesied about in the Old Testament. Peter says, the angels for ages 
have been trying to look into this mystery. And the actual breakdown, Greek breakdown of that word means that the angels have been bending over trying to look into something. Which means they've been bending over the banisters of heaven trying to peer into this mystery of Christ. This manifold wisdom of God that God hid from the angels. But he clothed the church with it. What is this? The angels have been searching for generation after generation. They've went through all of the articles of heaven. They've looked at every book in God's library. They've uh, tried to unlock every secret that they can. They've been trusted to be God's ancient messengers from before time began. They are The angels were the first ones to hold the prophetic office. They were the first prophetic messengers. That's why John says when in the in the revelation of Jesus Christ and he begins to worship the angel and the angel says no I am you we are the, we're brothers we're of the same fold we we both are are of the prophetic spectrum Don't worship me worship God So wait a wait a minute the angels knew God they knew the Godhead but what was it that God clothed the church with that the angels could not understand and could not see and God said hey I know you guys have been wanting to see this from since the beginning of time, and I've not let you look in, into it. But now I'm going to let you see the secret. I'm going to let you see the mystery, but I'm going to let you see it through the church. I'm going to clothe the church in Christ. What were they seeing? They were seeing the God man on the church. They were seeing this mystery all of a sudden, it wasn't God and man. It was now God in man. <laughs> the angel said, we don't understand how this works. We don't understand the manifold wisdom of God. But God says, I have a purpose throughout the ages. It is the purpose of all purpose. And that is, I want to clothe the church with myself. And I want the church to show the angels what it's like for God to live in man. Oh, it's the purpose of the ages. So now I know God wants me to heal the sick because he wants to show all of heaven and all of earth what it's like for God to live in man. So when God lives in man, man heals the sick. When God lives in man, man stops living in sin. When God lives in man, man raises the dead. When God lives in man, he becomes a better steward of time and grace on his life. When God lives in man, he becomes full of joy and peace and righteousness. It is the purpose of the ages. The purpose of the ages was not Israel. It was not God to have a special group of people. It was not for God to just single out one type of people to only bless. No, the purpose of the ages is that God wanted to dress man with himself and then use the mankind to show all of heaven what it's like for God to live in man. To live in a man that does not always make the right decisions. To live in a man that initially rejected him and wanted to do life his own way and in his uh, own timing and his own method. That even though the mankind fell and made a mistake, I'm going to redeem him. I'm going to give him grace. I'm going to give him mercy because the angels didn't get mercy. The angels didn't get grace. Once they fail, they fail. But God says, I'm going to show you the, I'm going to show you another side of who I am. 
and I'm going to do it through the mankind. I'm going to do it by dressing the man with myself. So that's the purpose of the ages, the purpose of the gospel, how God is going to work the gospel in the earth. The gospel is, yes, God has come to reverse the curse. But how he's going to do it is that he's going to showcase that gospel through the church. He's going to dress the church with himself and let the church show all of heaven, show all of earth, and show all of hell what it's like for the mankind to be dressed with God. What it's like for the mankind to let God live in him. Man, it's the eternal purpose. That's why verse 11 says, according to the purpose of the ages, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. As long as I maintain my faith in him, I can be confident. I can be bold. I can walk in authority because I know that who as he is, so are we in the earth. It is indeed the purpose of the ages. Now, guys, I hope that blessed you. I hope that encouraged you. I hope that gives you greater insight into your very own purpose. You are wearing a coat of many colors. You are wearing the God man. (laughs) You are wearing Christ. All that Christ is, is your garment. He has dressed you with himself. You don't have to live in insecurity and condemnation and guilt and inferiority. You don't have to live low leveled anymore because the whole intent for your life is to showcase what it's like for God to live in man. Lift up your heads. No longer live in defeat. No longer stay in hopelessness. No longer live in discouragement. You have been called to fulfill the purpose of the ages. And the purpose for the age of the ages is to wear your coat of many colors. It's to wear your garment of Christ. It's to showcase the God man. What it's like for God to live in man. Well, guys, hope that blessed you. I'm out of time, so I've got to go. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends, your followers, your networks. Leave ratings, leave reviews on iTunes and on the uh, social media pages. Visit my website at rickywatsonjr.com. I am so encouraged when I see your posts and I read your comments about how this is blessing you, encouraging you, and helping you grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is. And I hope my really hard aim regarding all of these podcasts has been that you would fall more in love with a God who is deeply in love with you. That's what I want. That's my desire because that's what I believe God desires for you in your life that as you hunger for the word, thirst for the word, and feast on the word, it becomes a a tool that God can use to draw you closer to him because he's just so good. He's just so amazing. So hope that blessed you. Be encouraged. I'll see you guys same time, same place next week as we allow the scriptures to be revealed. Mm -hmm.